Warning, this podcast may be disturbing to some listeners. Due to the graphic nature, listener discretion is advised. Welcome from wherever you are. This is The Demon Inside with your host, John Venom. If you want to review a different episode of The Demon Inside, you can find them on Spotify or Anchor. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. A new episode will come out every Monday. And now, to our show. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsors. And welcome back to The Demon Inside. We have a weird homicide. In a scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religious rite, five persons, including actress Sharon Tate, were found dead at the home of Miss Tate and her husband, screen director Roman Polyansky. Miss Tate, who starred in Valley of the Dolls, was eight months pregnant and was found in a bikini-type nightgown with a rope around her neck attached to the body of a man. Two bodies inside, two bodies outside. Among the other victims were Hollywood hairstylist Jay Sebring and coffee heiress Abigail Folger. Authorities would allow no one in an unofficial capacity inside the posh $200,000 home in the hills overlooking Los Angeles. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines cut. The bodies had been dead about 12 hours. They were discovered this morning by a maid who ran screaming to neighbors. One officer summed up the murders when he said, In all my years, I have never seen anything like this before. While the police admitted they had no suspects in the Bel Air massacre, there were two more murders 15 miles away in the Silver Lake section of Los Angeles. Market owner Leo LaBianca and his wife, Rosemary, were found by their children stabbed and mutilated. The word war was carved into LaBianca's chest, and death to pigs was smeared in the blood of one of the victims. The word pig had been scrawled in blood on the door of the Bel Air mansion, where actress Sharon Tate and four others were slain. But police said, despite the similarities, they do not believe the crimes are linked. Hello, my Demon Insiders, and welcome back to The Demon Inside. Today we're going to be talking about Charles Manson. So Charles Manson was and is probably one of the most unique people we will ever talk about on this show. He is the definition of pariah, an outcast. And he took other outcasts and turned them into his weapons and his voice as he decided to play God. Before we continue with the rest of this episode, I just wanted to send out a shout out to all my demon insiders who have been loyal, faithful listeners of this podcast. If it wasn't for you, I would have no reason to be doing this. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Uh, Again, if you would like to send support for this show, uh, you can do so by scrolling down to the bottom and clicking on that support button. Also, and it probably doesn't seem like a lot, but if you could just hit the five-star button, 
That really does help us out. So with that, I'd like to thank also, because I do Uber, like I've said in past episodes, and I've had four people in my car this past couple of weeks, and I'm pretty sure you guys are waiting to hear your names. First off, we have uh, Felix, who's a barber here in San Antonio, and then Elizabeth, who teaches second grade. And I know that's got to be a hard job for her. So we really do want to thank you for teaching our children. Because, boy, I know I couldn't do it. And then we got Mr. Jared Filana. Jared, uh, cool guy, man. I got his phone number. We're probably going to hit up and talk. He is into spirituality as, a, as I am. And uh, he is also an artist, and he did this little artwork for a friend of his, and he sent me the picture. I will try to put that picture up, and so you can see it. It's really unique, and it's really cool. So thank you for that, Jared. And last but not least, uh, Darian. So Darian, I picked up a couple of times in Uber already, and we actually had to drive from one side of town all the way to the other, which took about 30, 40 minutes, uh, especially during traffic when Darian gets out of work. And so we've had really good uh, conversations about not just the demon inside, but also UFOs and things like that. Uh, Darian still isn't really swayed about the demon inside yet or of ghosts, but who knows, maybe if I get some more rides with him, I'll convince him and, you know, he'll start believing. So until then, uh, thank you guys for listening and let's continue on with the demon inside Charles Manson. Let's get a description of Charles Manson before he committed these crimes and before he was imprisoned. This is through the eyes of Brian Cranston, the actor who came out on Breaking Bad. Just listen to the way he defines Charles Manson's eyes. We see a, a trail of horses coming back, and the, the, the width of this trail is maybe 10 feet. So horses have to pass by each other very closely. And in the middle of this pack, there was one little man with black hair and dark, dead eyes who was on the horse, but he wasn't holding his own reins. The, the guy in front of him was on. And he was just sitting kind of wildly like this, just like going with the movement of the horse. And he was just out of his mind. And my cousin and I are passing, and we're looking at him, and like, oh, my God. And I looked at him carefully as he was passing, my cousin said, that must be Charlie. Brian Cranston at this time was 12 years old, and he was with his cousin, who were both uh, renting horses at Spawn Ranch just to kind of ride the trails. And this is very important to us that are trying to find the demon inside, because he makes a reference to his dark eyes. And that's a thing that we have heard from time to time to time over and over and over again is the dark lifeless eyes so the reason I bring up Brian Cranston is because at this time Brian Cranston was a 12 year old boy who saw a man who wasn't in the newspapers he wasn't part of the news he wasn't even in prison yet 
And if you go back to try to find people that had seen Charlie before Charlie became this massive killer, uh, people were usually uh, blinded by his persuasion. You know, they were already hypnotized. And this is what I mean by hypnotized. Charlie would hypnotize people. In this next little interview with the actor Danny Trejo, Danny Trejo remembers him, Charlie Manson, talking to him and actually hypnotizing them. Some of the prisoners were going to take advantage of him because they take advantage of anybody that's small. And uh, we found out that he could hypnotize you. So we we let him sleep in front of our cell to, to you know, to make sure that nobody would hurt him. And and uh, he got us loaded on weed and and three of the guys in the cell. Everybody else had like six guys in their cell. We only had three because we were special. <laughs> I had two killers with me. So, 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 uh, and then, uh, and then he got us loaded on weed. And I said, well, get us loaded on heroin. So the three of us tried to get loaded. He got two of us loaded on heroin. One guy just woke up. And afterwards I asked him, how come, how come you couldn't do him? And he says, he asked, did you ever get loaded on heroin? He goes, no, but your mind doesn't know how to work. You understand? Your mind doesn't know how to react. If I tell you to do something while you're hypnotized and you haven't done it before or you don't know how to do it, uh, you'll just wake up. And that's what kept happening. Yeah, so you're it's saying not, that he got he got you guys loaded up on heroin or weed, but there was oh, no absolutely. heroin or weed in the room, right? He was doing this purely through hypnosis. People know when I get loaded on heroin, my eyes I get red under my eyes, and that's like literally uh, the first thing, blah, you you throw up, you dump, and I mean, uh, me and Chato was like it's like we both got blah. He dumped in the sink, I dumped in the in the toilet, and looked like hey, what you doing? Know, and and Oh, everybody was like shocked, and and this uh, 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 Johnny Ronnie Cruz, he was like, "Well, what happened? You, you, he never got loaded." And and uh, boy, I kept, I you know, I was sorry when they transferred Charlie out. <laughs> You've basically got unlimited access to anything that you want because he can just keep on hypnotizing you back into it. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. And welcome back to the Demon Inside. So again, what I'm doing is I'm taking people's encounters with Charlie uh, at a time that Charlie wasn't this persona. He wasn't as famous. He was just this guy who could hypnotize people and looked weird, you know, gave off this vibe with his dark eyes. Charlie at the time was two different people. He was a musician that a lot of people know about, but he was also like a spiritual guru. And he had read different philosophies, different religions. He was born a Christian, but he was also raised as a Catholic. And with his religious beliefs, as far as being Christian, they were so hardcore that his mother was, according to his that religion the christian religion and that society that she was a whore 
And she wasn't really a whore, but in their eyes she was because she was living single. And she was raising Charlie. Now, I'm not saying that she was a perfect woman, but, you know, they actually exaggerated how much of an evil person she really was. Then, as they took Charlie away from that situation, uh, he began to learn other religious factors like Catholicism, and he really gravitated towards the Catholicism life. In a lot of his interviews, he will talk about Catholicism. He will talk about the 144,000. So with the 144,000, you guys remember the Lori Vallow story. She was also talking about the 144,000. So this is the link between Charles Manson and Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. Because these three people believed that the 144,000 was going to be them. These were going to be the kings of the world. And Charlie believed that by his family being sent into the abyss where everything was going to happen uh, to the world, basically the world was going to stumble and fall, and Charlie and his family would be up to 144,000 in the family, and they would come out of this cave in the middle of the desert, and they would take over the world because the people that would have taken over the world wouldn't know what to do with it. So they would turn to Charlie for help. This was Charlie's religious belief. He wholeheartedly believed this. But at the same time, you have to remember, he's preaching to all these lost teenagers, all these lost young men and women who were high on drugs, who their mentality was very unstable, and who were kicked out of society the same as him. And you'll hear that a lot from Charlie Manson, is that you're the ones that kicked out your children. You gave me your children. Charlie presented himself as a big religious deity, you know, the, his followers even said that he was Jesus Christ reincarnated. And here's the thing, like, when his followers kept saying that he was Jesus Christ reincarnated, of course, you have all these news media people, Geraldo Rivera and all these others, Ronald Reagan Jr. Well, Ronald Reagan Jr.'s interview is actually pretty good if you take a chance to see it. But there's others that uh, do an interview with him, and they're trying to get him to say certain things, that he's the devil, that he's a demon, that, you know, he's evil. And they're trying to focus on his crimes, and they're trying to get him to turn crazy. And But Charlie is a little bit more than that. Now, don't get me wrong. Charlie is a demon. I think maybe from his... Earlier life, he gave up his soul to a demon, and Lord only knows where his soul went. But these are one of the few cases that I believe that this guy, this Charles Manson, was actually a demon. So demons like to change scripture. They like to change things to their own beliefs. 
and they like people to follow them as a god, uh, very much so like Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. So Manson actually has the interpretation of the Bible on the book of Revelations on chapter 9, and his interpretation of this is a little bit different than the actual Bible itself. So I'm going to read this off to you. And I quote Manson's interpretation of the book of Revelations. Manson saw himself as the fifth angel, verse 1, who would be given the key of the, to the pit of the abyss. Verse 11 refers the fifth angel as king whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon. The Catholic Doe version contains also a Latin name inadvertently omitted from other versions, exterminants. Verse 3 says that out of the smoke came forth locusts upon the earth, and power was given them. Manson believed that the locusts were in fact beetles, and that the Beatles was the English music group, the Beatles. Manson found confirmation for the Beatles being the locusts of Revelation in verses 7 through 9, because verse 7 refers to locusts having faces as were men's faces, but verse 8 says they had hair as the hair of women, which Manson took to be a reference to the Beatles, long hair. So let's continue on. So also in verse 9, refers to the locusts as having breastplates of iron. So in Manson's interpretation, the Beatles' breastplates were their electric guitars. The horses that they rode were dune buggies. Finally, Manson saw the fire and smoke and brimstone that came out of their mouths as being the powerful lyrics to their songs, especially those in the White Album. Manson also at times saw the Beatles as the four angels. And this was on verse 15 of Revelations. The 200 million persons compromising the armies of the horsemen who would spread destruction around the earth were in Manson's interpretation motorcyclists. So at this time, they were trying to recruit the motorcycle gang Hells Angels. Because Manson thought that those were going to be the 200 million. Manson interpreted verse 4, and I quote, And it was said unto them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, as meaning that it was wrong to kill any living thing except perversely people. Manson would frequently unbraid family members for killing rattlesnakes and other creatures. Manson believed he would lead his family to the desert where they would wait out the coming Holocaust and multiply until they numbered 144,000, a number from Revelation chapter 7, which refers to the 12 tribes of Israel, each numbering 1,200. Manson believed that the entrance to the pit of the abyss was a forgotten cave somewhere in Death Valley. Through this cave, one could gain entrance to a wonderful land of milk and honey. 
lighted by glowing walls and filled with warm spring water. Perhaps most critically was Manson's interpretation of verse 15. And the four angels were loosed that had been prepared for the hour and day and month and year that they should kill the third part of men. Manson saw verse 15 as prophecy of the imminent helter-skelter in which a revolt with, by blacks would result in a killing of one-third of the population. Manson may have believed that he was setting this revolution or this revolt in motion in August of 1969 when he loosed from Spawn Ranch his family members with instructions to kill. And this is when he sent out four of his members to go kill at these houses of Sharon Tate, who was eight and a half months pregnant. And living with her at that time was Jay Sebring, Abigail Folger, and Wojtek Frakowski, who were visiting her at that time. And Stephen Parent who had been visiting the caretaker of the home. He had nothing to do with anything. I mean, none of them did, but they killed him as well because he was there. Then to, a day later, two other people were killed. Lino and his wife, Rosemary LaBianca. So now the question is, was Charlie possessed? You're damn right he was. Charlie, Charlie was not Charlie and hadn't been Charlie for a long time. This guy gave himself completely, 100%, to a demon who used spirituality and charisma and the religious beliefs to gather these people. And they became what's now known as the Manson family. Thank you guys for listening. Next week, we're going to talk about Tex Watson and Susan Atkins, who are both followers of Charles Manson. And they talk about the way it felt when they went in to kill. They say that they felt possessed. Tex Watson and Susan Atkins both became devout Christians. But that's next week on The Demon Inside. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to The Demon Inside on Spotify, Anchor, or any other podcast directory or through our website, anchor.fm backslash The Demon Inside. A new episode of The Demon Inside comes out each Monday. Let us know what you think and join the conversation on our Demon Inside Facebook page and on Instagram. We thank you for listening and hope you'll join me next Monday for a new Demon Inside. If you enjoyed this episode, tell your friends. I'm John Venom. We'll see you next time. If I don't get possessed. The Demon Inside was created and written by James Porter. It's a production of Venomous Entertainment. Theme music, Demon Inside is on the album Conjure One by Reese Fulber. Background music was created by Lucas Key.